Hello friend, and welcome back to the Let Me Play Project. Depending on when this comes out and when you're listening to it, it has either been several months or several seconds since you last heard my voice, and you know, it just makes sense because I'm more and more convinced every day that time is sort of a social construct and, you know, not necessarily linear, so we're all just, uh living off vibes, I think, these days. Anyway, (laughs) now that we're in season two of the Let Me Play project, I think it's only fitting that we level up the play. I'm anticipating uh, a lot more challenges, a lot more going out of my comfort zone, and you know, just higher stakes overall because I now have a lot less stability since my part-time stand-in job is over. LOL. And also I'm still trying to up all of the training that I'm doing. So I took a break from my keto and I'm hoping to get back into it in the next couple of weeks. And of course I'm still doing my Irish dance and weightlifting and all that stuff, but you know, more stuff comes in and now that I don't have any jobs, I also have more time to uh, find other playful activities. So more on that to come, hopefully. In terms of this podcast, though, I'm definitely going to be going out of my comfort zone a little bit because I am going to have to find people that I don't know if they'll say yes or not to be on. But who I feel like I really need to talk to. So I'm anticipating that Some people will be easy guests for me to approach, and then others I'm going to be terrified. So we'll see if, when, and how I'm able to overcome my fear of asking for help or asking for what I want or need and how that sort of unfolds. But I'm excited for it. I'm really coming off of an energetic high, I guess, from the last season, so I think... Only good things can come if I act on them. So overall, I think what this season entails is for me to fit myself into more convoluted, perhaps, roles or more difficult positions. Aside from the practicality, like, just provider role and um, independent contractor role that I'm already familiar with, those sort of like everyday sort of roles... I have, uh, I've already played many parts this year, uh, both expectedly and unexpectedly, pretty much all through various background gigs here in Atlanta, and I've also enjoyed leaning back into the role of student, which might not surprise you because as a lifelong learner, I really thrive in environments where I can learn. So this is sort of a double-edged sword because I... Whilst I love learning, and I love to be a beginner because that's when you have the most to learn, it's also been very challenging because uh, there's a lot of, or I put a lot of pressure on myself to absorb as much as possible. And sometimes when I absorb too much, I can't function anymore in that environment. I need to let it, I guess I need to let my sponge sort of soak, like wring it out a little bit and then let it dry and then go back in for for another soak. So all of that to say, balancing each of these different roles on top of sort of starting over financially and learning this new 
investment, I guess, strategy where I'm basically, the money that I have, I'm basically reinvesting it into myself to further later things. All this new like strategy, like life strategy stuff, I have concluded that the role I most fit into to encompass all of that is the role of baby. As an infant. As in not child yet. <laughs> and um, and before I infantilize myself too much, I'm actually really at peace with this because I am able to give myself permission to insert myself into spaces that I'm not immediately good at and be patient with myself as I am desperately trying to absorb everything around me. And I think it's it's a good approach because while babies uh, are uh, pretty codependent, I would say, for the most part, they are excellent absorbers and they're fast learners and they desperately want to adapt to the environments that they're in. So my strategy, I guess, with all of the things that I am doing in all of the different directions is just to be okay with being a baby, basically, or a toddler in some of the activities that I'm doing and really focusing on the core building blocks of skills that are available for me to practice and can help me in the goals that I'm trying to achieve or just leave me to be feeling like my play is worthwhile and fun. And I think that by paying attention to these building blocks of skills, I will eventually build up a foundation and the foundation will allow me to go even further. So it's basically me giving myself permission to be a baby and have tummy time and then learn how to crawl. And then eventually I'll be learning how to walk in each of these different skills. So that's sort of where I'm at perspective-wise <laughs> on my adventure activities. But I guess I really wanted to start this season off with talking a little bit about roles because roles and titles are always something that I've had a lot of struggle, I guess, putting myself into or associating myself with. As you might remember from last season, my human design reading episode, I don't have a defined identity, so take with that what you will, but I found it really resonated with me because I am more fulfilled by putting on different hats and shifting from role to role depending on the circumstance or the context of the situation I'm in. So because of my naturally amorphous identity, I would say that that's led me to associate myself with weak character because character to me is consistency in personality regardless of environment or circumstance and it basically looks like predictable behavior like i could take one person and then drop them in this environment and they'll act basically the same way and i could take them into a completely different environment and they'll basically be the same wherever they go. For me, it's perceived observable personality traits that stay the same regardless of circumstance. 
And this has been a tricky nut for me to crack because on the inside, I do feel like I'm consistent in a lot of ways behaviorally, but on the outside, I am very aware of how I am expressing myself and there have been loads of times where I've actively uh, altered or shifted my personality or my mannerisms or just like how I'm standing or speaking to fit the uh, either environment or even just mirror the other person that I'm talking to or with. When I do that, I don't necessarily feel like I'm being disingenuous, but I do feel like I'm people-pleasing a lot. And so there's this battle of, it's like an inward-outward struggle a little bit, where I feel like my integrity is strong, but my character is weak. And so it's been sort of a yin-yang situation, I would say. But I felt like, you know, it would be great to sort of understand my own character a little bit more. And for this second season, since we are leveling up, that I should take it upon myself to study or chat with some people who I think have really strong characters because the people with really strong characters, I've noticed, are the people who I feel most drawn to and get attached to the quickest and easiest. So again, with the opposites attract the yin-yang theory there. Which brings me to my first guest of season two, Tanner Methvin. Or as he likes to say, Tanner, very close to Meth Van, but not. Tanner and I met in an intermediate film production class at school, and I pretty much instantly knew we were going to be friends. We fortunately got paired up in the same group to make a couple short films in that class, and he wound up being the, the director on one of them, which was fun. And so we collaborated on that, or trauma bonded, however you want to look at that, and we had tons of fun and memories and shenanigans outside of uh, coursework as well. As a bit of a social butterfly and definitely a movie buff, he was always down for game nights and movie nights and all these fun things at his place all throughout college, and I have so many memories of uh, a whole group of us just going over and eating Oreos and playing all sorts of silly games. We've also watched tons of movies together, and I had the privilege of introducing him to Spirited Away, so I have that claim to fame. And we also have been to a couple of film festivals together, both as patrons and as seasonal staff. And while he lived in Atlanta, he even threw a film festival for all of the people from our college to get together and have a, a fun look at your uh, movies from school days, which was great. Tanner made a really big impression on me when I first met him because I felt like he was just so much more of a developed person than I was at the time. We were both students, of course, but he was living in an apartment that was off campus, which that was a whole world unexplored to me, just apartment living in general, because I always lived on campus in the on-campus apartments. And he also knew a thing or two about a thing or two. And so it was just really cool, I guess, to be welcomed into uh, a circle of people that were both pretty like solidly interested in 
their own pursuits, but were also friendly and kind and nice, but also weren't afraid to pick on each other and make fun, and also had a decent amount of life skills that I didn't feel like I had. Through all of our different shenanigans and hangouts at school, I noticed that Tanner was indeed consistent with his character, and to underscore his different levels of excitement, uh, he's always been completely reliable and always wanting to help and to contribute and to do things for people. For example, he didn't get to work on my thesis film, but I did need somebody to pick up my dolly track and store it in their apartment while I went home for Christmas, and he was very sweet to do that. So I always have him to thank for that, and for many, many other things, but that's the one that comes to mind. But I'm so grateful for the friendship that Tanner and I share, not only because I've gotten to see him grow, but because I feel like having him in my circle has challenged me to be a bit more gregarious, a bit more fun outgoing, perhaps a little silly, and, you know, just lean more into my playful side. And now that we live in two different cities again, uh, it's longer the times that we go between seeing each other, and I feel like I can track my progress or growth with uh, how well I do in our bantering. That's always a fun metric. So now that I've known Tanner for, gosh, I guess, seven years now, um, I have gotten to see him grow as a person and form a really just strong friendship with him. And I can confidently say that he's just an overall good character. And he has good character. He is opinionated and animated and, again, reliable and just everything that you would want in a good guy. I feel like I should trademark that, like both G's capital trademark sign at the end. And if you need more of an image than that, then you can also think of uh, Missing Link from the Leica animated film Missing Link, because that is, I was watching that movie in the theaters and I could only see Tanner in that role. So definitely check that out if you haven't. Now that you have a vague image or a clear image, depending on whether or not you've watched Missing Link, of Tanner bobbing around, swaying back and forth on the uh, the character loading screen in your mind, probably doing finger guns and laughing on a loop, I invite you to go ahead and lock in all your settings, like the hair, the uh, the clothes, all of that. And join us in the character level of Let Me Play. Okay, I never know how to start these, right. so here we are. Got it. <laughs> this is how I wanted it to go. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent form so far. Um, welcome. 
You've been here for three days, but welcome anyway. Yes, I've basically made... Listen, I have a lot of space. I have a whole room. You have a whole room. There's not much in it, but I've got some space. You know what? There is a lot of in there. Heart. Thank you. I was going to say potential. There is a lot of potential in there. Yeah. There really is. Like, I went in there and I'm like, this is a good fixer-upper and I can, like, sell this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aside from the fact that it's an apartment and yeah, you yeah, not really Details, it. details. You're right. Logistics, yeah. logistics. Well, yeah. regardless, welcome anyway. It's been good to see you for the past couple of days and... Uh, see some of our other alums and go to the festival and j- knock out some Atlanta shenanigans. Oh, I've been having a blast. It's been like really, really fun. I haven't done this in a, not just because like COVID, which is the obvious factor, but even like afterward, I just, not shouldn't say afterward, I know we're still in it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking <laughs> We are about. both in the moment and reflecting on the moment yeah. at the same time. It's just like, it, I guess it's just, it never ends. It's, it just right. is. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. The point is, it's been great. <laughs> the thesis is. It's been good. Yes. Yes. It's been a good time. Would recommend. Uh, So I was really glad that you were coming down for a variety of reasons. One, we've all told you that you're the sort of the glue of our friend group because you're always getting us all together. I'm I'm watching it slowly fall apart from afar. Yeah. Yeah. uh, A little bit. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't like personally affect me, but it's still rough (laughs) deep down because I'm like, uh. Yeah. But I mean, if that's just what you guys do, it's what you guys do. But I also, <laughs> oh, no. but Sarah, I will also remind you that uh, on my last night here, I believe I drunkenly said to you that you y'all have to keep this up. Oh, you I'm for gone. sure did. I you think it was sure a did. very clear for for as drunk as I was. I think it was a very clear order. It, what no, I wanted. and it was an order. Crystal. It was not like a like a you know ask. It was like no a demand. Oh no, it was communicated. Yeah, we're just not. Caring. Yeah, I, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> We do it in small groups, like however it naturally comes together, but you are always the one kind of making, going the extra mile and making the the gatherings and hangouts and the, that little film day that we had and that things was like fun, that yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah, that was cute. Um, but that actually sort of ties into why I wanted, I was so excited to speak to you on my podcast because... As you know, I associate, uh, each episode has a word associated with it. And so I try and pick words that are both interesting to me and I think embody somebody that is my friend or somebody that I admire, you know, all that. And your word uh, that I affectionately picked out for you is character. (laughs) I have been, I have been told to my face that I am a character. Yes. It is like, it's very flat. Like, I'm not just saying that to be like, well, I'm a very interesting person. Like, I have had someone <laughs> be like, straight up like, you're a hell of a character, dude. Like, yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I I had some word choices I was wondering if you were going to go with. I've been called abrasive. Oh, um, no. I have been called abrasive. Have but, you? Uh, are we allowed to swear on this show? Of course. I have been called a chuckle fuck. Okay. But I took that one with honor. I was like, that's actually just pretty funny. That's actually, yeah, that's a really funny word. I've never heard that before. Yeah, neither had I. But that's I'm like, that really actually silly. is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> what in the family guy? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. It wasn't that. It, but uh, uh, so character. Interesting. Why'd you, why'd you pick mm-hmm, that word? Mm-hmm. Well, for a couple of reasons, multifaceted. So uh, one, all of, uh, I think you have like a really big sense of integrity about you. And I feel, at least from my perception and having known you for what, like since 2015. I think 2015. Yeah, um, I think 2015. 
So like yeah. going on seven years now, which yeah. is crazy. Um, you've always, at least to me, shown like the same true authentic Tanner self throughout mm. all of those years um, and are also a really good friend. Um, so that's those are things that I value, both authenticity and friendship. And then also uh, to kind of extrapolate on different meanings of the word character. Uh, there's characters in movies. Yes. <laughs> and we both like movies. We do. <laughs> and also just storytelling and uh, all the conventions and that. So I figured um, both with your uh, big bombastic personality. <laughs> no, I think that's a fair description. I'm just laughing. At the yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When we when I got here Friday night, I realized at one point in the bar I was screaming. Like I was just <laughs> shouting opinions. And you know, I the only thing I can say to that is classic Tanner. Yeah. Which oh god, yeah, you've said that at points and like I'm just like, why is it it's accurate? It is you know, what happened uh with you and me the other night with uh with the pants situation okay that sounds weird no like <laughs> let's reframe yeah <laughs> Take let's back. reframe yeah no having to like run to walmart for like brand new pants i was like yeah this this is me like this is something that would happen uh well full story is we were going to uh, an event like a party an after party for this film festival and we tanner ran out earlier in the day to go get uh, some nicer clothes because it was apparently party attire. Yeah. Okay. So so I packed a duffel bag full of like t-shirts, shorts, and like a pair of jeans because right. it's Atlanta. It's gonna be hot and also like yeah, it's not formal. It's like film people. Yeah. But we saw a party that said like uh, the speakeasy theme and have party attire. Now I googled what does party attire mean. Right. I was unable to find a clear answer. I found the many subcategories I was hoping for like formal yeah. business cash. No, yeah. no solid definition of party attire. There was no overarching party attire. No, it was it yeah. was kind of bullshit in my opinion. But like, it's fine. You know, it's not fine. I'm not the one writing the descriptions. Yeah. But yeah, I went to Goodwill. I just got like shoes, slacks, and like a shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, shirt and the shoes went fine. And this, see, this is where like I was like, oh, this happened to me. No, I'm an idiot. Uh, like this is <laughs> poor planning on my part because I decided not. To, well, the the. Fitting room was shut down at the Goodwill, so I would have actually tried it there had I been able to. Yeah. But I'm like, eh, I think these pants are large enough. And they literally, like, could not fit when I actually <laughs> tried to put them on. And, like, I was, like... Ten really, minutes before we needed to. Ten minutes before we were, we were supposed to leave. And, uh, like, literally, I was trying to think of, like, well, can I put my belt on and, like, tape it and, like, hide the <laughs> tape? Like, it was... I had this whole, like, like cockamamie scheme of, like, how I was going to get this to work before. I'm like, it's literally not going to happen. It's literally not going to fit. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to run to Walmart, uh, and like get, which I just returned. I bought two pairs of pants. I literally just like an hour ago got back from returning the other <laughs> pair. So that's sort of like, I'm still living, I'm still living this life you see, which by the way, I'm drinking an iced coffee from a Starbucks. Uh -huh. This is what I mean though. I couldn't like just order a nice iced coffee. I like ordered the right thing, but she got the wrong thing. And then she charged me for the wrong thing, but it was fine because it's the cheaper thing. But then I also had, this was so stupid. This was a Starbucks in a Kroger. It's not even a, like an actual Starbucks. Oh, you Starbucks. went to that this, one. Yeah, yeah. I was a Starbucks in a Kroger. And freaking like, I, I needed cash because I had no cash on yeah. me. But I like to have just like 20 bucks for something. Mm -hmm. And so I did cash back. And they're like, uh, we don't have $20. All I can give you is 10 And I was like, okay, but you already charged for like the cash back, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, 
So Where can I get the rest of the money the from? And she's like, I don't know. And it was literally like that was I'm like, I don't know. And I'm not trying to like harass a, like a Starbucks employee at a Kroger, but I'm like, I literally don't know like what to do from. And I guess somebody came over and like gave her the twenty to give it to me. It all worked out, but I'm like, it's... man, I'm just trying to like go through my day. I'm just trying. To... <laughs> and there is not a guidebook for that situation. No, I was like, what? I, I was. I mean, I could have gone to like their customer service thing, but I was like, what do you mean? Like you charged me for it. I I did. You know, need it. And also, how does a Starbucks and a Kroger not have, like, a $20 bill to give out? That's that seems... so weird. Yeah. That's really strange. And, like, literally, what are you supposed to, like, okay, I guess I'll just stand here now yeah. until I get the rest of the money back. This, it was literally, like, that awkward. And then it was, like, the coffee sizes were wrong, and the guy was having me press the top on it while he held it, and it was very <laughs> unnecessary. I was... So, in addition to not getting the $10, I mean, you did, but, like, in the immediate moment, not getting the $10, you also had to provide labor for your drink. This is also happening at the same time. So, like, oh. I'm just, so, like, I, I'm, like, trying to negotiate with her, like, the late, because it was a lady and a dude, and I'm, like, negotiating with the lady, like, what to do about the $20, while well, the guy is, like, <laughs> here, push down on the hole, because he wanted me to push down the open part, he's, like, I don't want to you know, like push it too hard on the spot where you're going to drink to which I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? But that wasn't even the right size thing. It was like too small. I ordered like the medium, whatever the size is. With the grande. I refuse yeah. to call it that, by the way. I, <laughs> this is where like I turn into a douchebag, but I will never call it that. I call it a medium. It's small, mm-hmm. medium, or large. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. this is why. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. I, I like the Duncan coffee better. I was going to swing by Duncan. But I was there for something else, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'll get the Starbucks. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah. You might as well. And so, yeah, I was, like, negotiating financial transaction while this guy is, like, <laughs> asking me to, like, perform CPR on this fucking cup. And <laughs> it's I, not even the right side. It was, it was not even correct. It was, a, I don't know. It's just one of those where I'm like, man, I'm just trying to, like, get in and out of a place within five minutes. But, <laughs> it does, but I, I feel magnetic to it. I feel like this stuff just, like, happens. Yeah. Last, last night at... Uh, at like uh, we went to another festival thing right uh and it was like a hangout and that random dude just like started talking to me oh and yeah I, i'm just like i really do feel like I, I must i gotta stop looking too approachable at bars and i feel like i'm bragging like oh it's like i'm a social butterfly or whatever but like <laughs> no i will go to bars and people will just start talking to me yeah it's whole just, life it's, story yeah it's just very strange and that was funny too because he um <laughs> i mean a lot of people have podcasts such as myself, yeah. but he even said the line uh, where, oh, I don't usually talk about my podcast, and he then here's it. all my business cards. Did, yeah. Did you like <laughs> Did you like what I said that kind of prompted the whole thing? Because uh, the guy we were with, just he started laughing, and I didn't realize, it sounded like I was making fun of this dude. I, but, I thought it was funny, but I don't remember what you said. It, it was basically point. just that he said... Yeah, we we had been talking to him for a bit. He had like a you know career in like media. Yeah, and um, he said, "Oh, and I've you know I've got this podcast that I'm working on." And I just said, "Like, well, that you know I'm interested, but that was the longest intro I've ever heard oh, someone yeah. introducing their podcast." It's the guy with us, just, and it did. It sounded like I was being a dick. I meant I did mean it as a joke because I'm like, well, yeah, everyone has a podcast that got introduced, but I, I was like, it's the longest intro I've ever heard. So like, I feel like you've been building. To, that's what I said. I was like, yes. I feel like you've been building towards introducing this podcast with the longest intro I've ever seen. Well, no, it really felt like that. And it was so funny because you just like went out there and nailed it on yeah. the head because we've been standing there at that point for like five plus minutes and yeah. we had gotten drinks already. So yeah. it was. And we just like and we just kept talking to the dude and like I didn't know how to like get away. It just seemed like a like a decent guy or whatever. But it was clearly like the rest of y'all wanted to get away and that's fine. <laughs> it was just like 
I I don't know. It was just very um very like I'm I'm weirdly see like you can hear me stutter here. I'm very awkward and then I have two speeds, which is incredibly awkward, not knowing what to say and being very smooth and like quick with my words. Yeah, and like, I have nothing in between there. Right. There's no like normal. <laughs> I mean, they're like dying to come up with like the next thought or I am like fucking firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Of vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And all of that together is what I think really encompasses uh, Tanner's character. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's nice. a good summation. <laughs> um. Yeah, classic Tanner moments all weekend. Love that. Bringing it back to uh, giving me throwbacks to the school and everything, too. But um, so my opinion is such that all good characters, or all my favorite characters at least, have an origin story. What is your origin story? Why is Tanner the way he is? (laughs) Actually, that's really interesting uh, that you asked that just because of what we've been talking about. Um, part of this had to be confirmed by my parents later because, you know, you lose memories kind of yeah. as you grow up. But, like, apparently as a very, very young child, I was super outgoing. Mm. And then, like, in elementary school, I just became super, super shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really followed in, like, middle school. I was a very lonely, like, depressed kid. And in high school, I kind of started that way. But, like... Uh, when you say character, I've started kind of like putting on a character and mm-hmm. it just made me like more popular. Mm. So to be honest, there is just a shallowness to like, well, now I just am this. Now this is just who I am. I don't know what the quote is where it's like, we are who we pretend to be or whatever. But right. it, And I mean, I'm happier for it. I'm, I, am, I am glad it did get me like going uh, in a different direction. But like, that's sort of what it comes down to is I was just a very like shy kid and, uh, very and i still by the way i still need a lot of space from people i I hate the whole uh introvert extrovert like binary because i'm i'm very like well sometimes i need to be like this has been a weekend where i'm like no i'm trying to see all these people i want to see everyone i want to hang out you've got a whole itinerary exactly whole itinerary and there's other times where i'm like i know people are going i don't want to do anything i I literally just want to sit at home and play video games that's all i want to yeah um but yeah as far as like my origin story goes that's like the the personality aspect i guess um but even so i've always tried to like entertain people in a weird way mm-hmm. uh not in a weird way that's mean like I, I feel like i've always been doing that um and i guess it just kind of led me here where i, I wanted I, i'm i'm looking at a different track in life not to get like too too legit well i guess i should whatever i'm just looking at a different track in life but i wanted to make movies because i wanted to like make something to show people mm-hmm. uh that's just kind of like what i wanted to do uh, film industry, you know how it is. I do. Yeah, I and I'm kind of just looking to like side stuff, just different ways to like be involved in even like other industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So would you say then that your nature, like as as long as I've known you, you kind of sort of had the same personality. I would say. Um, would you say that it's more so performative, or would you say that it's genuine now? Or was there a like was there a specific moment or something that made it change into one or the other? Well, I don't. It, it, that's a weird thing because I want to say performative, right? But one thing I always found uh, kind of funny, especially like when you know we've been going out and drinking a lot. Like that's just straight up. We've been doing that the last couple of days. And one thing I always found funny about myself and people would kind of comment is that like I will have like 
you know, I will get very, yeah, like shouty and I'll be yelling like when I'm drunk, happy, usually, like not really depressed drunk and not even really like angry drunk. Really. A jolly drunk. Yeah, jolly drunk. But what's funny is I'll be that way after like one beer and I have a pretty high tolerance, but I'm not like, that's just always ready to come out at any second. Right. I am trying, you know, I'm like holding back. Yeah. Ugh, to quote Avengers, it's the, like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. I'm like, no, I'm always ready. <laughs> I'm always ready to just be like jumpy and bubbly. And like, I get very passionate about certain things yeah. very randomly. Yeah. Which made the game nights that you would always throw very fun. Mm. Sorry, I had to. I'm almost, <laughs> done with the, I'm almost done with the Starbucks. I, there is no ice, by the way. It is just coffee now, which is fine. Um, which, no, that's good. But like, no, it, it was always, it was always fun to like host those. Um, because, like I said, I wanted people to get together. And I don't know if that was because, again, of, like, some level of, like, well, I want, like, if it's for you guys, I want you guys to all hang out because it's so much fun. Or it's for me. Like, I still want to be popular. Like, I've got this still, like, school mindset of, like, I want to be popular, which doesn't make sense because I was never popular popular. I was mm-hmm. just, like, liked among a certain group of people. Um, and even then also very disliked among other groups of people, like, I don't know. Didn't fit in in a lot of cases. Like mm-hmm. I said, that's kind of my origin story. Mm-hmm. So chasing that popularity or craving that popularity. Yeah, I think craving validation, which mm. I think is like the most basic thing somebody could say, but we all do it. I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, and people seek it out in some ways versus another. Yeah, like what you what you were saying. Any sort of creative medium, I think, is to some extent validation seeking oh. in itself because you're making projects or arts or yeah. crafts or whatever. The idea, if anyone ever tells you they don't care what people think about their work, they're a fucking liar. <laughs> Just absolute lie. There's no, and I don't care if the coolest writers in all of history say that. I don't believe them for a second. Yeah. I can respect their work. No, they care what people think. Mm-hmm. That's just mm-hmm. how people are. Well, yeah, it feels good to be, to have your work, which if you're making it authentically, it's, basically an extension of yourself to see it be praised or yeah. you know yeah feels good it's a good hit to the ego yeah <laughs> no it is god it's funny you bring up origin stories though because i feel like i used to be all about origin stories and now yeah. i'm kind of in and this is a weird thing it's not like a trendy thing for a story to be but now i'm interested in like long character stories ending and i've, mm. I've been kind of curious like how a character a long-running character story would just you know kind of come to an end mm. um I mean, hey, like, I, you know, superhero movies were talking a bit beforehand, but I did like Logan when I saw that uh, because it was like, well, this is the end. This is how this guy dies. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert for a movie. It's like five years old, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, this is, and I'm always, especially like in hero stories, which we do have too much of, but of the ones, I'm always fascinated by the ones where they do the selfless sacrifice for not a big thing, like in that Logan movie, again, spoilers, uh, he's not saving the world. He's just protecting a group of kids. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is always very interesting when somebody dies for something that is not a big deal. I think the sacrifice yourself to save the world thing is so overdone. Yeah. I'm curious what you would do for, like, one person. Well, no, that's so interesting because I have always found it much easier to relate to the stories that are smaller scale mm-hmm. because there's, I guess, there's some level of comprehension there. Like, I feel... Like, I can relate to or understand to some degree, like, what it would be like to, you know, give yourself up for somebody that you really loved and cared about. Um, but I can't scale that up to be the whole world or, like, Avengers, the whole universe. Yeah, the multiverse. It's, I mean, it's so big that it's just completely un 
you have to compartmentalize so much. Like they are, you know, Scorsese's right. It's like they're roller coasters. And I, I like a good, you know, roller coaster movie sometimes, but like there's, I do want like the smaller intimate stories. And yeah, I really like, it doesn't have to be again about like a heroic sacrifice and superhero thing. I just like seeing a person's story coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, like and what the, constitutes a satisfying ending to you? Do you know? Yeah, not necessarily, you know, a good, happy ending. Although I do like, I, I also don't like when they just kill the hero at the end of a story, especially again in like sci-fi and fantasy. It's like, well, wasn't that deep? It's like, nah, it's kind of lazy to just kill the hero. because. Mm. See, this is where it's, it's weird because at the same time as I want stories to end, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe like there's a life after. You know what I love right now? What show I love is uh, Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not, I think the first season was the best because it was, like as much as it was calling on Karate Kid specifically, to me, part of the appeal was like, well, what happens to the people in an 80s movie after the movie ends? Like, what are their lives after this? And you see some of them where they're like, yeah, I, that was like a karate tournament when we were in high school. Who gives a shit? And the people who like can't let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new season, there is a character, one of the villains from the old movies, who full on says like, what the hell was I doing? I was like a grown man trying to like destroy a teenager's life. Like what was going, what was wrong with me at that time? <laughs> Um, so as far as like what makes a satisfying conclusion, I don't think there's a one size fits all thing. I think it's more just like how events play out. Cause I, I think it's just like, this is where like the, where we talk about these big expansive blockbuster stories, uh, they're too big, but I do like stories where like a lot is happening at once between a lot of different people because, uh, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm a big history nut because, and this is my justification Everything affects everything. Mm-hmm. Like every something that happened 500 years ago is playing out right now. Like you know that is why certain things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that is fascinating to me. And so it, sometimes it's less about like one character's ending, like what they do, and more like how people react or how people set up that character. There's a movie I really want to talk about. With it's hard not to spoil. Can I just say like? Cover your ears for three seconds that I, I thought this movie did really well. One, two, three. Power of the Dog. Okay, I thought that had a, like, somebody, like, end. And just the way that story went was really, really good. Mm. I can't comment on that one because I still haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, but... it, it is. A, I'm not one to, like, be like, you need to watch this Oscar. But, like, it is a good movie. It's a yeah, really good movie. it's definitely on my list. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, I'm sorry, cannot do an American accent. He needs to stop. I noticed <laughs> it in Doctor Strange, but to be honest, I didn't care because it's like, well, again, it's like a Marvel movie. Right. But okay. freaking this, I'm a cowboy and I'm going to teach this kid how to ride a horse. Like, it's just <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. It it really is. Uh, which, by the way, like, again, not to talk about the Marvel stuff, but, like, I did not understand why they made him do an American accent for Doctor Strange. That that character's not famous for being an American. They well, just made him British. Isn't he supposed to be some sort of monk, like, in the original? No, so this stuff? is funny, though. They, uh, so he was trained by a Tibetan monk. Yeah. But uh, China does not like Tibet, you know. So right. they were like, make it a white lady. Uh, like, that's why they were like, well, we got to censor this for China. Which I find very interesting that when they were starting to, like, cater movies to China, the thing was, like, well, our morals will slowly start to, like, get into their country. And it's, like, actually, it's been the opposite. Like, their their values, specifically in regards to uh, uh, the queer community, uh, has more invaded our culture. And, mm. like, you, there's less you can do on mm. screen in regards to queer representation. Oh, wow. I yeah. Didn't know that. Huh. Well, what... 
characters um, are most compelling to you or stories are most compelling to you lately? We've mentioned the satisfying endings, but are there characters within that that you're gravitating towards? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm playing... I play a lot of video games, and so I, and let's be clear, video games don't have the best track record for storytelling. Um, I will say that one game I am playing, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, which is shock. okay, it's shocking. This is an MMO, right? This is like a World of Warcraft-style game, which traditionally have not valued their stories at all, and what really set this apart was that it's like, actually, the story is the main draw, um, and that actually has been very interesting to see what they've been doing with like long form storytelling because they've essentially been telling the story over the course of 10 years. Mm. And I just played one where I was just like, God damn, like just some of the stuff that happens, how these characters, again, like they, they have a lot of characters who keep going and have been there since the beginning, but some are having their stories end. And uh, if anyone listening has played Shadowbringers, you kind of know what I'm getting at where like there's, there's some characters in there. Well, okay, I'm going to kind of spoil it. I don't think it, I have a feeling there's not a huge Go audience. Go for but it. Like, um, in this in this game, you in this expansion, not even like this is an expansion to the original thing, but you go to another world again. This is fantasy stuff. You go to another world that is, uh, you know, there's always these wars between light and darkness. Well, here's a world where the light won, and now everyone's dying because the light is actually super evil and is like killing everybody. Uh, and oh wow! It and uh, you are also palling around with essentially a ghost of like one of these warriors who helped the light win and is now viewed as like the enemy even though or like evil even though he was just doing what he thought was right Mm -hmm. and it can't be understated how much music helps any kind of narrative scene but they have this great thing for him so important and every time it's uh i talked to a coworker and he like was looking to get something in my phone trying to find a thing about to watch and he's like I noticed in your YouTube search history, you looked up Shadowbringer's sad music. And I, yeah, I was like, what is this sad theme? It's so good. But it's been, it was a fascinating journey to like basically go through this world and this character just kind of telling you, it's, it's kind of nuts. It's one of those things where if more fantasy and sci-fi did this, I would be more into it. I think it's just very, it doesn't deal with stuff like this where, again, it's seeing kind of an after thing where it's like, well, we did it. We won. And now I'm looking at the world. It's like 100 years after this happened. He's like, I'm looking at the world now and just seeing all this stuff. And it's like, he's just kind of reflecting on what it means to be a hero and what he did and what you're doing now and like all this stuff. And it's hard to go, it's hard to talk about it without explaining a million other things. Yeah, sure. But I just found that absolutely fascinating. One of the best fantasy stories I've I've seen in a while where it's just a person like, yeah, going over their journey and you're going on a very similar journey and they're kind of like, yeah, I did this too. And like, or I, you know, thought this, what are you doing this for? And all this stuff. That has been very interesting. That's actually been occupying a lot of my brain uh, lately. As far as, like, characters I like, though. Um, damn it. Okay, so if I had to name a favorite fictional character, I got this debate at work. It would be Spider-Man, I would say. he. It's, I mean, it goes down to everything. He's got my favorite origin story ever, I think. Just why I don't like those new movies. Because I don't like that he's just, like, a rich, spoiled kid, basically. Like, yeah. Yeah, I hate yeah. that um toby all the way like toby was a weird he's a weird looking dude everyone's like he's an adult man it's like yeah he's a weird looking dude he's spider-man he's not yeah yeah. anyway um although i also always said my second favorite character was like daffy duck so i don't know if that's an (laughs) in-depth character that's a range yeah it's it's quite a range that's a range um that was interesting the point you made uh it sounded like it was alluding to a bit of empathy In regards to characters that stick out to you or have been sticking out to you lately where you can somewhat relate 
to their struggle in maybe a metaphorical way, do you find that you tend to gravitate towards characters that either have traits that are similar to either your personality traits or struggles that you can relate to? Because well, I guess you probably can't relate to much of Daffy Duck. No, it's, it's, it's true. And I actually don't think relatability is as important as people say. I think it's less about relatability, about specific circumstances. Like, you know, this is um, it's kind of dating this episode, but a little while ago when that movie Turning Red came out, there was that yeah. review that went online. It was kind of infamous where the guy said, like, I just can't, you know, this isn't good because I can't relate to a 13-year-old girl uh, mm. in Toronto. It's like, well, that shouldn't matter. Um, yeah, that sounds like he's a problematic viewer. Yeah, that's kind of like... <laughs> okay, number one, and not, I'm not trying to sound preachy here, but it's like, well, what do you think every marginalized group thinks when they watch most movies? Like, how do you think they... And that's the thing. I don't think every movie has to be, like, catering to every single person. I think they just have to be telling a good story. And that also doesn't mean empathy. Another thing I hate about, like, modern uh, criticism is... And you don't get this from some of the big critics, but sometimes you do see, like, well this character does something wrong. It's like, well, yeah, they're very flawed. Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. I like stories about, I like stories about bad people actually. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, uh, sorry, hold on. I was trying to think what I was getting at the turning red thing, but, but yeah, I just don't want to overvalue relatability. I think if they're just, there's something interesting, there's something magnetic about a character and I can't, quantify it specifically either again there's no one size fits all you know what i mean it's just it's hard to say like well yes it's this and and by the way i know that like you know producers would love it if like focus group leaders would love it if i could give them exact things that i want but i can't Mm -hmm. um that's why sometimes i'm like you just have to put something out there you don't know if people want it or not Mm -hmm. uh, but you just got to find out yeah yeah absolutely and so we meant you mentioned that um you you enjoy a story about a bad character, yes. quote unquote bad character. Mm-hmm. Um, I often find that those the villains are the most interesting oh, parts. Yeah. I mean, we see how many times all the the Batman villains have been reinvented. I mean, there's everything. a reason. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, Joker's overdone, and I don't want any more Joker stories. But it's a compelling character for a reason. It you know, really it's like, is. It, it really is. It really is. Also, shout out the Shadowbringers. I was talking about like another hero in that game, but that villain, oh my god, just one of my favorite fantasy villains I've seen in a long time. Yeah. In terms of, but again, where it's like. They don't condone what he wants to do, but he's sympathetic to an extent. And I really, really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Multidimensional characters are really interesting to me as well. There's some sort of complexity in either their design or their nature or just their um, psychology, I think, is what, what I tend to gravitate towards. But for you, do they need to, even if they're bad, quote unquote, air quotes, Do they have to have some degree of likability to them in order for the story that they're a part of to be either believable or moving or poignant in some way? I think yes, but likability might not be the perfect word because there's a sense of charisma. One of the ones I go Mm. back to is Wolf of Wall Street, which I love that movie. And when it came out, you know, it was controversial because it was like, this guy, he's the protagonist and he's doing such shitty things, which number one, I'm like, okay, but it's not like, it's not a moral lesson. I don't want that. I, I like the story. Number two, there's a scene where he punches his wife in the stomach. And I'm like, if you watch that movie and you think he's still a good guy at the end of that, I think we have bigger issues. Yeah, a um, bit. <laughs> But I think what was fun about like that example in particular is that is a very charismatic actor with Leonardo DiCaprio, a very charismatic, like a very charismatic character. And they are doing just the evil things in many cases, just truly evil things. 
and that is there is a charisma to a lot of evil i think people would like to deny um it's why i think that uh this is like this is as political as i'll get i it's why i think a lot of the media that hates trump is fascinated by him mm-hmm. because he is like he's very attention there's so many more people more evil than trump but they're not as like in your face yeah and, like, about it yeah um but like that's and i think we, we are fascinated by that and i do like that in a good story um it's funny, by the way, because that movie I mentioned, uh, Power of the Dog, also great, like, main bad person character. Just mm-hmm. really good. I don't want to, like, be like, this, again, because once it's, like, got an Oscar for something, it almost seems tainted like it's pretentious. I'm like, no, this, to me at least, this was a really good movie. It really is a stamp story. of some degree of validation. It, it kind of is. Yeah. It should it be? Uh, but we are, we are in a world where it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I like what you like and all that, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm always interested in what gets nominated, by the way, just because it's like you just I wouldn't have watched that or I probably mm. would have. But it made me say, hey, I should see one of these movies before the show. I don't care, but I should see one of them. And I saw that one and a couple others. But I was like, damn, that was a that was a picture. We used to make those. It was a moving picture. It, it was a motion picture. Like it had a bunch of they took a bunch of still images and ran them really fast and then put sound that synced to the motions. It was right. actually a really neat trick. That is Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Um, yeah. What amazing times we live in. I know. Today. We're finally getting there. We're finally getting We're there. We're finally doing it. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, going back to the point you made about visibility and like projected uh, personality um, and the, I guess like the whole charisma thing, do you think that the bigger like either putting on a show or projecting your personality making it seem larger than life or bigger than it is um is it is doing that indicative of true character or authentic character do you think uh there is it's authentic in that it is an authentic representation of an insecurity there's definitely some Mm. level i think I mean, you know, it's the cliche of like, oh yeah, comedians are like the most depressed people, blah, 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 type thing. Because there is there is a truth to that of just like overcompensating, which, you know, I'm not using that word as a joke. I think it really is like overcompensating your personality for your own perceived flaws. I mean, again, the reason I started just kind of being like loud and boisterous was because I was a very nervous kid mm. and I really did not feel like I fit in anywhere. So I was like, well, instead of standing out for like bad reasons, I'm going to try to stand out for good reasons. Mm. Um, and so I kind of like made that my personality and it slowly became my actual personality, mm-hmm. which again, it's not, I don't think it's bad. I think I always had some of that in me. Like I said, I, from what I understand, I was a very outgoing young, young child. Um, and yeah, I think that there is a sense of like, when you put something out there, it just slowly I mean, I've had a very serious conversation with someone who did say that, where, like, I was joking about, like, depression and shit, and they were like, you know, you do this, like, too much to not, like, have this actual problem. Mm-hmm. And they kind of called me on it. They were like, you definitely, like, you should get help, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, just a thing that, it's just a thing that happens, where you just kind of do it, and it just becomes a part of you, and you don't even think about it. It's just, like, muscle memory, mm-hmm. putting on this act. And did that confrontation by your friend inspire action on your part? Uh, a little bit. I can't say things have worked out too well, but a little mm. bit, yeah. Because mm. I'm always interested in what the 
to me, it seems like not you specifically, but when I see people doing this or even just people on TV, like whatever it is, it always presents to me as some form of like peacocking a bit. And so I'm always interested in one, is that an authentic portrayal of their true self? Because I immediately get very skeptical, I guess, if I don't know the person Mm -hmm. um, or haven't like built that trust with them. And then also, what are the effects of that going to be? Yeah, I think I think we're in an age where what people want is like constructed authenticity. They want a sense of of authenticity. And yet they don't really, and mm. they kind of, they want the, in a weird way, I would say what people want now from human beings is what we want di- good dialogue in a movie to be, where we don't want it to be totally fake. Mm-hmm. And yet we also know that most people don't talk the way they do in like a movie with good dialogue. You mean in the transatlantic accent? Yeah. Oh, uh, Carrie Grant and I'm uh, gonna, yeah, I fuck, I love the, I really want to bring back the, have I shown you that clip from the original Scarface I always go to? I- don't know if you have. There's, I, I really, so people, I watch a lot of old movies and I really think we need to go back to talking the way they did back in like the early 30s. I would love to use that accent. Yeah, there, there's a scene in Scarface I recorded on my phone because I'm like, this is amazing, where some mobster's telling uh, Scarface, which by the way, I, hope, I wonder if I'm blowing anybody's mind by revealing that like the Pacino Scarface is actually a remake of a 1930 something movie. But mm-hmm. um, there's like a scene where the mobster is telling Scarface, you know, like what he's going to do for him. And he's like, yeah, you, you uh, work square, you work for me, and you get your gold hat and lace pants, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yes, this is the dialogue. We need this back. Um, That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I love. And, and in fairness, that is what, uh, you know, like back in those days of Hollywood, they did try to present a very squeaky clean version of actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are kind of rebelling against that now because no one buys it, mm-hmm. but they don't want the rawest of raw, I think. And, and let's be real here. Um, I I don't think people are like wrong for that because I think when someone and I've been this like it's not a I'm not bragging about this, this is a shitty thing but like you know people have come to me with their problems and I have just been like I don't know what to do like this is too real now this was like fun and now we're dealing with a very real thing yeah and I think we're in that age where it's why like uh, influencers are like the new big thing right is people want a sense that this person is real mm-hmm. and yet they don't actually want like the really hard shit to deal with I, mm. I think I think they don't want to really it's it's why um what's, I forget who it was who first came up with the idea of stars they're just like us which is something you would have never seen in that ah you know golden age Hollywood we look at our boys don't they look fine like you would have never seen stars just like us back then yeah and now we've slowly really wanted that from not just celebrities, but just our people in in media. You also see it in public, you know, politics, where it's like everyone wants to talk about how down to earth they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we want. That's what people are looking for. Um, all of this, I know it sounds like I'm just kind of like talking about something else, but all of this is to say we want an authenticity that is not actually authentic. We want that it sounds authentic. We really want it to seem authentic, but the actual authenticity is often too dark and too depressing and just. Also, just, like, not exciting. There's just sometimes sadness and depression and, like, or just human flaws. They're so boring and we don't, they're too real. They're, they're, it's like with uh, with dialogue. Again, I, I know I'm using this metaphor a little too much, but uh, it's, if you actually listen to how people talk, you know, they don't talk exactly the way in movies. There's a lot of stuttering. There's a lot of, like, non-plan, a lot of filler words. You're, mm-hmm. you're hearing me do it, you know? The, just how I say you know there. That's a big filler word for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
we don't want to really hear that. Right. That's what, not what we actually want. I feel like that's how we are with people now. We don't want the filler words of people. We don't want the boring stuff that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to pretend it isn't. And all of this is to say that I am not an Instagram influencer. You're not. I'm not. You're not. I'm not on the gram. You are on TikTok. I Well, yes, but I don't post to TikTok. I follow you on TikTok, and I have a buddy who sends me funny TikToks, and y'all kind of curate what like what I get, mm-hmm. which is fine by me. By the way, what was it? When I signed up to TikTok, it was nonstop. Like, so I, you know, it doesn't know anything about me, presumably. Maybe it did, like, look at my... It emails. knows everything about yeah. you. All you it showed signed me, your soul away. Well, you say that, but all it showed me was Trump propaganda and pro-landlord propaganda. And I was like... Pro-landlord? Yeah, it was all, I got a lot of pro-landlord stuff. And I'm like, I don't like these people. Why would this be... I've in- never seen one of those. Oh, <laughs> see, I'm like... That's, my first week of TikTok, I was like, is this all that's on here? The is first this- week of TikTok is brutal. You have I to... Guess, you yeah. do have to spend a lot of time curating and telling the algorithm gods what yeah. you like and what you don't like. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a really funny niche that it just threw you into. Yeah. No, I mean, these algorithms are so fucked. They're just so like, it, it, it's very telling to me that these people are paid millions of dollars a year and I bet they would say they know me better than I do. And maybe as a younger person, I would have believed it. No, they do not. I've seen like things where I'm like, especially on YouTube, YouTube's algorithm is so fucking bad. I, like yeah. in terms of what it pushes at me, I'm like, I do not want to watch this. Uh, <laughs> I really don't, especially like. Man, there's there's some. I don't want to get into. I don't want to throw things. <laughs> I don't want to burn any bridges. <laughs> that could be a, a fun potential side quest episode. Absolutely. Just going down Tanner's yeah, going, recommended videos on YouTube. I do think that Cinema Sins. If we're going back to like movies, Cinema Sins is slowly destroying like media literacy. Yeah, I think that is a. Uh, if the fact that that channel has not been like drone striked is to me is proof that like we aren't doing what needs to be done for the sake of the planet. <laughs> And that is a statement that I don't have enough information to comment on, but I will take your word. Um, going back to authenticity, I think I I really agree with what you were saying, and I'll also add that I will yes and and say that I think it's also measured by, um, or also a part of it is, uh, it's a lot of effort, I think, to know somebody authentically. So yeah, what you were saying about people want more authentic portrayals of people but they don't really want to put in the work to actually like have an understanding of what they're really going through or like to carry that burden for themselves because it is a bit of a give and a take to I feel like know someone authentically but that's why people like um like a few years ago and still now but more so a few years ago um like people were raving over Jennifer Lawrence because she would go on a talk show yes. like she is so real no you're Perfect example, thank you. Because I'm thinking of like YouTubers and influencers. No, Jennifer Lawrence is that type of celebrity. Like that moment for her, where it was like, look how down to earth she is. Yeah, you know, like it's that is what people wanted at the time. Yeah, uh, and she was like, I don't know if that applies today with for her in particular. I don't know who that like modern celebrity would be. Where it's like, look how like just normal they are. Right, right. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I was going to say Aubrey Plaza, but she's, like, weird in her own ways, which I adore. Oh, yeah. No, I love Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it it is weird because there's also that mix of, like, we want that authenticity, but then it is a business. Um, you see that where, like, well, so actually I, a video I really recommend on YouTube is uh, Sarah Zed did a video about uh, people's opinions. I'm trying to think of a better way to phrase this, but basically on the McElroy brothers, which I knew mm. really, like, I knew of. I didn't really know anything about, though. 
And she kind of did the whole like, and there was even an Onion article about them where it was like the McElroy brothers enjoy a rare unrecorded 15 minutes because they were like the poster children for like, these people are online all the time. Mm. And for a while it was very good. And then there was kind of a backlash to it of like, well, yeah, and you're just kind of seeing that, you know, they're not perfect people. Right. And we really do build up like this image that like we would get along with everybody, you know, especially with uh, with this format podcasting. I'm not going to lie. You know, I've been like, oh, if I was, you know, I, I would say this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's I, some degree of filtering. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, I, I got to at one point, like, I still kind of do, like, chat with someone whose podcast I listen to just as, like, a fan. And now it got to the point where I would, like, get into, like, arguments with him. Like, it got, like, oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's like, in a weird way, it's like, yeah, it's not the dream relationship. It's like a real relationship. It's where, real. Like, you fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is not to say, like, I'm actually that important to this person before it sounds <laughs> like I'm, I'm a stalker. No, this is just like, I, I, I kind of know. Anyway. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Different levels of filtering in any circumstance at all and that's why those um i'm thinking specifically of like talk shows uh, is the first thing that i think of but they just seem so uh curated and crafted because they are i hate talk shows both late night and daytime i really really hate that format and i mean they they are we know about the pre-interviews you know famously like oh, yeah. they always do the pre-interviews yeah um you know, we're talking about celebrities, and I remember there was a good article that I think was kind of wrong in the long run, but uh, it was in 2020, and it was called, like, The Downfall of Celebrity, and it was about how uh, no one was subscribing to Quibi, which was celebrity-driven. I feel like we all forget that was one of the other things with Quibi. I did forget so about Quibi. Yeah, but they, they were so celebrity-driven. That was their whole, like, hook. Um, but also, it was when the Ellen DeGeneres stuff started coming out, mm. which which is very funny to me, because that had been, like, a pretty open thing for a while, and I don't know why... I guess maybe it was, I still go back to like, in terms of celebrities being out of touch. There's so many, I, I'm not just picking on Ellen, but there was that whole like her in her mansion, like, oh, it feels like in a prison in here being in quarantine. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah, right. Yeah. And there was just a big backlash to like the celebrity. Oh, that. And do you remember, this is like flashing back to two years ago, early quarantine, that Imagine video. Oh they my did, gosh. That was so bad. That was so distasteful and disrespectful. Yeah. And it was just so fucking gross. And again, I think there was that moment like where there was just a huge backlash to like the very wholesomeness of celebrity. Like this idea that they were like just chill people. There actually was kind of a backlash to that. And the Ellen stuff especially. But yeah, it, it's it's very interesting how uh, celebrity has changed. And, and always, like in literally in all of human history, there are famous people in certain communities, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you just see definitions of what people want change. Yeah. Right now, again, I think what they what they say they want is authenticity, but I think it is correct to say that like it's a fake authenticity. People want to feel like their experience without any of the actual rough edges that real right. relationships come with. Yeah. Which is why podcasts what's the word? Um parasocial. Parasocial relationships. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, because and in, in, I mean in any expression of yourself, your port you are choosing what you are putting out mm-hmm. into the world and sort of crafting this idea of how you want to be seen and how you want people to perceive you. But that's kind of it. It's a, it's a dual relationship. Yeah. Like you have to do the work to do the filtering yourself. And then the person seeing your work is not only going to see what you've put out for yourself, but they're also going to project onto it potentially self-consciously all of the things that are that they want to see about you. Yeah. 
it, like it's not good, but it's a very human thing to want a one-sided relationship where yes. you are the side. Like, and I think that you know, it's one of those things where like we all want that, you know. It, it, right. We all want that. We know we can't do it. Um, like, why but, aren't you guys just following the scripts that I made for you? Pretty much, yeah. And it's like I feel that way. We uh, when we went out on uh, Saturday, you know, we were talking a little bit about the John Mulaney stuff. Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, listen, you know, I don't agree with what he's done. I guess, but I'm also like, but number one, was what he did that bad? I guess my standards are now like, well, he didn't go to Epstein's, you know, pedophile island. So I think, <laughs> you know, so I think like, oh, what, he just is kind of weird in his relationships. Like, and by the way, you know, full on maybe stuff comes out about him later. I don't know. But, yeah. like, um, but it's, it's just very funny where it's like, well, why, you know, we put this image on people like he didn't do that. I feel like his image. And also, if you watch a stand up, he's been very open about just like how weird he is and how like weird his childhood was and like all this stuff. Um, he's one of my like full disclosure. He's one of my favorite comics. So mm-hmm. I, I do love uh, his comedy. He was a great spider pig. Also, he was so good at spider ham, which, by the way, I do. Again, I, I am so sick of comic book movies, even though I kind of love some of them. Spider-Verse was one of them. And I was admittedly, like I said, Spider-Man's my favorite character. I know so much shit about Spider-Man. And when they did the origin story, I thought for sure it's like, well, they're going to change it so that he was a pig bitten by a spider. And no, they're like, no, he was a spider bitten by a radioactive pig. It's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a weird, like, haha, what if we did this? That's yeah. from the comics that they kept in the movie. And I won, that was a moment where admittedly I wanted to stand up and cheer and be like, <laughs> yes, this stuff I love. I love that they kept that weird shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's just one of those where it's like, he he's not our friend. He was never our friend. And you know, he does weird shit, but that's just what human beings do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I am like, eh, just let people do what they do. Although, who am I to say? Because obviously I fucking love gossip. Um, my weird like last one, the last one I can remember where I was obsessed was uh when the Jeopardy host scandal was going down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like following every because I love Jeopardy. You gotta yeah. say I love Jeopardy. I was following like every detail of that. And, like, messaging other people I knew who, like, knew Jeopardy. I'm like, oh, my God. They're going to, like, apparently they were trying to sabotage Ken Jennings and, like, all this stuff. And, like, right, right. so nuts. <laughs> so nuts. By the way, Ken Jennings is my preferred pick as host. I hope they make him the permanent host. Here's He's, hoping. Yes. Here's hoping. Um, so, all of that into consideration. Are you able to tell maybe so more on a personal level than a celebrity level, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Um are you able to tell when somebody is being disingenuous with you? Uh, I like to think so. So first of all, yeah, forgive me for going to the celebrity rant. Oh, right no, that was super fascinating <laughs> and actually, like, very on topic. I'm, I'm, I'm just quite interested in, like, yeah. uh, culture and stuff. But, like, yeah. as far as personal, do I know if someone's being disingenuous with me? Once again, I like to think so. Um, so one of my favorite little... It's like a webcomic or just like kind of comic panel I've ever seen. And I, I've never found it again. Um, it's just a dude. It's like stick figures almost. It's like a dude. He's just sitting on a subway and you see his thought bubble. And it says, you know, everyone is just a cog in the machine. I'm the only one who sees things how they really are. That's the first <laughs> shot. And then the second and the only other shot in this comic is just the same shot. just a little wider. You see even more people on the subway. Mm-hmm. And you see they all have the exact same thought bubble with the exact same <laughs> phrase. And that's sort of like no one thinks that they fall for bullshit you know yeah. Nobody, it, that's one of those things where it's like um there's also that great thought exp- well eh, that's a whole different okay my point is just going, <laughs> but but that, lots of thoughts. yes lots of thoughts lots going on in my head right now but that one is 
probably my favorite. Like, because I've met so many people who are like, I have a low tolerance for bullshit. And I'm like, well, so everyone believes they have a low tolerance for bullshit. Mm-hmm. No one thinks they're getting swindled. No yeah. one ever thinks they're being or that they could be deceived. Right. Right. And I have, I, I've fallen for shit before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to believe that, like, knowing that and being more aware of it has made me better in the future. Mm. But there is this very, I shouldn't say it's bizarre because it's understandable, but like, very ignorant level of confidence I think people have um, about, yeah, to, to go back to your phrasing, when someone's disingenuous with them, that they can tell. I don't think they always can. And I think, and I think that's a very human thing mm-hmm. to believe that you are able to perceive how things actually are. Yeah. When everyone believes that. There's, again, there's not one person who says, oh, I'm a mark. And yet we all know that there are fucking, you know, easily con people in this world, right? Yeah. Those people don't think that about themselves. And uh, to quote another comedian I like, Jim Jeffries. He's a good one. You know, uh, where it's like, oh, but I'm not crazy. That's the thing about crazy people. They don't know they're crazy. Mm -hmm. That's what makes them crazy. Mm -hmm. But I would say that for like, not gullibility per se, because I think we all have our own vulnerabilities. So I know, I know that there is definitely stuff where I even recently I've walked away from conversation and realized after the fact, like, well, that was some bullshit. That was definitely some <laughs> bullshit. Like, I didn't, like, buy anything. I didn't buy a bridge, you know, that yeah. they were trying to sell me. But, you know, at the same time, I was like, yeah, that was, I'm looking back at it. They were like, that, that was not entirely earnest. Right. Um, well, in situations like that where it's, it's, uh, it's products and there's some sort of sales interaction, I feel like it's more... Like, once you've seen it one or two times, you're kind of more attuned and aware to it. So it might be easier, I guess, to kind of suss out the situation. But in other situations, when you're just like, I don't know, just like we were doing this whole weekend, like meeting random people at at the bars and things. um, Like, especially the guy that came up to us yesterday, or I guess we came up to him because he was at the bar. Yeah. Um, For the record, people, it was like, we were waiting on our drinks. He and I made eye contact, and he decided to start speaking. That is, this is what I mean. Like, I I gotta stop having eyes at bars. (laughs) Like, I just have to stop looking at things. Because, like, it's it's not helping. It is. It is. Yeah, you need to tone it down. And and you even went as far as to change your sunglasses for your regular glasses. I did. I did. that Because, you know what? It started to get a little dark. And also, we then went inside a building, and I didn't want to be a total douchebag yeah and i did do that yeah but yeah it is it is funny because that was a conversation too where i don't know if you noticed how i was talking to him this is where what i mean where like i'm very awkward except the weird 10 percent of the time where i'm very smooth i notice at the time i'm like man i'm fired on this also, we are like, smooth mode. we are smooth zamboni has zamboni has come out and like <laughs> Basically, that yeah i did actually at a job um i had once where like i had to kind of work with uh some producers um I remember a guy who was like, like I was just doing some phone shows, mm-hmm. talking to him. And I remember a guy in that office who had like been there way longer. He said, I just want to let you know. And he was just kind of trying to be nice. He's like, I've heard you. You are really smooth with these producers. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he actually did. I, oh, I do cool. turn into a character. I don't want to turn into that character forever. I want to be able to harness it for certain things. Yeah. But like, I will, I will turn that like smoothness on. But I knew that, like, you know, some of that guy, the stuff that guy was saying, I was just kind of nodding along. I'm like, oh, interesting. And I'm like, I'm not fucking interested in this. This is like, I have no interest. And if anything, like you're making me less interested, but that's okay. I, I like to find, I like to talk to people. See, maybe this is why people talk to me at bars. Cause I do like to talk to people mm-hmm. and find stuff out because I like to know what people are and who people are. Yeah. Um, and because I do think I try to keep a little bit of distance because I did used to fall for stuff. But, and again, I want to stress that like you, someone is listening to this podcast who is like, I don't fall for anything. 
there yeah okay calm down all right everyone does and that's okay it is human yeah. we want in a lot of ways we just want to be deceived mm-hmm. um that's what i'm literally uh, we've been talking about with that you know authenticity that's not real we want to believe things are true we want right. and anyway yeah spotting that disingenuousness in people i don't know i think i like to think i do um but also who's entirely to say yeah there's not like a a clean cut thing um are you able to turn on and off your 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 character personality traits? No, and this is actually a big flaw of mine. Like not like in all seriousness, uh, I'm I'm very much always on. Okay. Like I actually have a very hard time sleeping um, when not inebriated. No joke, because my mind is like constantly going. It is mm. just going nonstop. Mm-hmm. And by the way, not about like everything great. Like it's not like sometimes my mind is thinking very serious things about like the future, uh, and that's why I can't sleep. And sometimes it's like. So, like, if they gave me $100 million to make a live-action Danny Phantom movie, like, how would I do it? Like, that is what'll keep me up at night. And it should. I, yeah. And by the way, I bring this up because this is a specific example. I started to talk to Sarah about <laughs> the other day. I'm like, listen, I have an idea for a live-action Danny Phantom and how it would work, okay? But, like, um, yeah, as far as, like, turning it off, I really don't. And, I mean, that's a flaw of mine because it does make it hard sometimes to be very genuine because mm. I do feel like I am this character and uh, trying to turn it off is incredibly difficult mm. I'm, I'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah it's interesting like thinking about like i guess the more you practice it and the more you do it and the more you live it the more you are it and the more it becomes you and it's all consuming yeah um which i don't think is a is a bad thing because it's the the tanner that you share with us and the tanner that we that we grow to love so we, we appreciate it um, so then I guess your smoothness is more of like a lever. It is. It's a, it's a lever I can turn on, but unfortunately not always when I want to. Right, right, right. It yeah. just shows up. It just shows up. Yeah. Hmm. So you've been talking a bit about authenticity in characters, but I think part of authenticity is integrity or strength within the characters. And so I was wondering what you think strong characters have in all senses uh either real people like historical figures or narrative you know mm-hmm. fi- uh real or fiction um celebrities any of it what do strong characters have that weak characters lack big one is motivation um can't stress enough how much i hate both like and, and by the way this has been a flaw with me as well again in real life where sometimes i'm like i don't know what i want to do you know, I mean, like, we all do that, where it's like, I don't know what I want to do. But, like, uh, as far as, especially in, in, like, media, when I see a character who doesn't have, like, a strong motivation, it really, really kills it for me. Um, I think, like, as far as a strong character, like, you know, what makes what makes a good character, especially, let's, let's say with real life, I don't think it's even necessarily, but again, what is, what is good? Like, a good person or, like, interesting? Because if we're talking interesting... Or rather not good. Like, I just feel like when people want a very consistent, like, you never contradict yourself type of person, I just truly don't believe that person exists. Now, there are levels. I don't like when people are hypocrites 90% of all their time. But I think, I believe we all walk around with beliefs that contradict with some of our other beliefs. You know, it's how I want a more stable environment, and yet I also eat meat. Like, that is, you know, those those things contradict. And that's that's like a little one. But, like, there are tons of that stuff we all walk around with all the time um you know it's that whole thing where yeah i 
as far as like a, a media version of that, oh, this is a really tough one. Like this is really, damn. Well, I guess it kind of starts as like, what do you define as a strong character? Uh, I See, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't want someone who's like cool necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think a very strong personality, and maybe that's why I am the way I am. So like not boisterous per se, but like very um, interesting. And that's a very vague statement, but... I mean, I I always feel like. Um, who, let me ask you this. For example, we've been talking about The Office lately. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, who's the better character on The Office, Dwight or Jim? The better character, I think, is Dwight. It's definitely Dwight, yeah. right? Because he's just there's more to it. I guess it goes back to me, Jim. I hate Jim. I really do hate <laughs> Jim. I really, in retrospect, I really do not like that character. It's fine for the show; it mm-hmm. actually works. But like. He, he, to me, is just so, like, bland, nice guy. And Dwight is so much more interesting because he is, uh, to, again, use the vague term, a character. He has a lot more personality going on. He has a lot more defined wants. He's passionate about a lot more things mm-hmm. uh, than Jim is. Jim is, like, famously, like, bored. That's his whole thing. Is, like, yeah. I just don't like, which, in fairness, you know, we've all been at those jobs we hate. So mm-hmm. I'm not hating that. But, like, Dwight is super motivated. Uh, he's got like all these weird personality quirks. He's a much stronger character, mm-hmm. um, especially when I think there is a passion from Dwight that is just like absent in Jim, and that is why oh, I he's never... so passionate. He's so passionate about everything he, yeah. he does. Um, and a lot of the best characters in that show are they are the passionate ones, and that's why. Yeah, I think we're just attracted to a certain passionate character, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's why. Like, what one way I always heard about it was like uh, going back to you know, movies, and again, I'm sorry to, like, distance myself from, like, my real life, but just going to the movies, it's, like, is Al Pacino a better actor than some of, like, these method people? Uh, like, I don't know, but which performance do you remember? The loud, screaming Pacino performance or, like, some method performance they got really into? Mm-hmm. You, you remember the bigger stuff. Yeah. Um, you remember the more personality. And so that, to me, whether it's authentic or not, that's the more interesting character. And maybe that says something about myself, where it's like, yeah, is this per- version of me the authentic version? Uh, I don't know, but do, you, do I honestly think people would like the regular version of me? Probably not. Mm. Um, that, which is a bit of a self-conscious thing. But like, mm-hmm. and again, it's, it's at the point where I've been doing this this performance for so many years that it's just second nature. It's, it's ongoing. Just, yeah. Yeah. And even when I try to turn it off, by the way, I can't. I, can't I, I told you about when I worked at a funeral home briefly, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, one of the... One of the many Tanner's didn't. Yeah. Like, one of the things, I just remember my first time picking up a dead body. The family is, like, grieving. They're right there, right? And um, I go up there, and I'm, like, in my, like, like I, I just I just said, uh, hi, I'm Tanner. I'm Sorry, not that wasn't part of it. I said, hi, I'm Tanner. Pleasure to meet you. And I'm like, god damn it, Tanner. Those, that was your word choice? Pleasure to meet you. That, like, she's dead. The woman is dead. Her family's here. And your choice when you, like, greeted, like, the husband was, hi, I'm Tanner. Pleasure to meet you. Because I just can't turn that off. Uh, but it, I mean, I mean, it's a little funny the circumstance, but it also speaks to your sweet disposition. I think it's true, and I, I try to like be considerate to what other people want. And uh, you know, some people have psychoanalyzed me and been like, "Yeah, you're a people pleaser," to which is not untrue. Um, but I like to think it's out of. I like to think that it is out of something good and not something bad mm-hmm. regarding my character. Yeah, yeah. I like to think that. No, I think so. I think so also. Um, so a while ago we mentioned, uh, a couple times actually, we were talking a little bit about flaws, character flaws, which I think is also a big part of an interesting character is to have some flaws and to provide that authenticity. And the first time I really considered 
uh, character flaws in a memorable way was actually in my English class when we were reading Odysseus. Nice. And of course. Oh, my God. you were the like, <laughs> well, you know, uh, you and your comic books. Meanwhile, I was reading Odysseus in uh, uh, vacation well... in Paris. <laughs> Was not doing that. Um, no, but... sorry, London. Excuse me, I forgot. I, I mixed up my uh, European capitals. Excuse me. No, it's definitely not London. It's definitely not. Oh my god, Sarah. Okay, real quick, just to tell people, we were doing bar trivia. It was the only time I've ever done bar trivia with Sarah. And everyone in this team like had like an ace. Like everyone had something they were really good at. And we had a question about like subways. I forget what it was exactly. It was just to name. They would list a like one stop on this subway system and we were supposed to name what city yeah it was yeah and and so sarah who's been to london saw the name she's like okay guys i can at least say it's definitely not london so we like brainstormed because none of us knew and then we finally get it it's like and it's london and we just like looked at sarah we had like a fucking astrophysicist with us who was like getting periodic table questions and then Sarah was like, no, I, I, my expert is on, like, the London shit, okay? And I can promise you. Oh, God. Which, in fairness, was... there's questions that I've never lived down at certain trivia nights. Oh, my night, God. But... That was a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the most recent trivia night I did, I didn't know Barbie had a sister, you know? Just, just a really yeah. huge gap in my knowledge. Yeah. That everyone else was writing down. And I look over, and I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know Barbie had a sister or what her name is. She does, and her name's Kelly. I, apparently! <laughs> And I hope she's going to be in the new Barbie movie. Is, is she, wait, is that Margot Robbie? Is that, it is. Okay. It's Margot Robbie and it's Greta Gerwig. Wait, is it really? Greta? Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. I know. I got really excited about <laughs> <when I saw laughs> it. Um, um, but what were we talking about? Yeah. Flaws? So anyway, I, the whole concept of not only flaws, but tragic flaws was introduced to me when, when we were reading Odysseus. Oh, yes. And because Odysseus's tragic flaw is his hubris, his excessive pride. Mm -hmm. And so that got me thinking is, do you think it's more important for a character to overcome the, the tragic flaw or the flaw or for them to stay true to themselves? I think they don't need to overcome the tragic flaw permanently. But I think, because I think that's really who, again, we are. It's like, there's things about us that we try to overcome that might never go away. Um, like, so again, my favorite fictional character is Spider-Man. I know that's kind of like cheesy, but I always do love, and it's been in there since like his first ever appearance, the whole like, the you know, he's picking up prize money and then a guy robs. Now in the modern versions, uh, the guy wasn't paying him in full. Even in the original though, uh, the guy did pay him in full, but he's just like, if you don't, I don't know how you don't know this. I'm sorry, but if you don't know this listener, uh he he's not a superhero yet but he's like you know wrestling for money and he gets this prize money in the modern versions uh they won't pay him the full amount it's like oh we you know we said 500 but you only get 250 because of this and then immediately the guy gets robbed and of course peter parker who has the power to stop him just lets him go and he's like hey not my problem you know uh and like i said that even in the original even though the guy paid him in full like he was just like eh, not my problem you know let him go then that guy goes and kills peter's uncle ben now, that is a very, like, um, a very uh, nice tight-knit origin story where not only is it, like, not only did your uncle die, but it was because um, of something you did. And there is, even though the stars have to align for that shit to happen, you know, in real life, uh, this is, like, it is a fascinating story thing. And I actually think Spider-Man is better when he's not, you know, Tom Holland rich boy. I think he's much better 
when uh, he is dealing with... Actually, he is a very prideful character, or if not prideful, a very selfish character. And the best Spider-Man stories often have him dealing with that. Because, again, it's that whole great power becomes great responsibility, which, you know, overdone, sure. But, like, that's why the whole struggle of, like, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore, but I have to. That is why that is such a good character. Uh, because he would it would his life would go better if he wasn't Spider-Man. Which, again, yeah. it was what made him different at the time. This very, like, you know, baby's first comic book study to, like, say. But that is what made him unique at the time was, like, being a hero made his life worse. Everyone else's life gets better. Being a hero makes his life harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, is a very interesting character flaw, where it's like, he has to keep doing this, but he understandably, especially if a character flaw is uh, relatable, mm-hmm. I will say, I know I just, I shat on relatability like 40 minutes ago or whatever, but, mm-hmm. you know, wanting your own shit, want like the selfishness. Selfishness is maybe the most relatable character flaw. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Um, but to see people struggle with that, uh, also, just like another great character flaw to me is uh, just kind of like losing control of your inhibitions. I think that is a very, mm-hmm. again, relatable character flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do like, I, I don't think a good character needs to overcome that flaw permanently. And I think you can leave room for them to uh, suffer from it in the future. But I do think the struggle is what makes the interesting story and whether they succumb or whether they overcome. Now, I like happy endings, but it doesn't always have to be that way. A character can succumb to this fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of a really good example right now, and I'm kind of struggling. That's okay. No pressure. Okay, cool. Um, no, I think you hit on a lot of good things there, notably the the struggle and just going on the journey in the first place, Yeah, uh, and which is important. So if somebody listening wants to start that journey for themselves to maybe work on some of their flaws or to get their arc back on track or to strengthen their character in some way. Do you have any suggestions for them? No. Um, <laughs> it's because I feel like if I did, it would be like the blind leading death. Yeah. Like it's like someone who is still struggling. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to be like too like, Oh, you know, I, I like I put on this personality. Cause again, I'm, I'm like, I'm enjoying myself a lot of the time, but there is a realness to it that I think we've addressed. And, uh, I feel like any advice I give is, uh, <laughs> it's like a virgin telling you how to have sex. Like, it's like, it's not <laughs> wait, like, it's not, you're not getting it from someone who has solved the problem. And admittedly, mm-hmm. you know, that is a, uh, one of these struggles I think we've been dealing with since, I don't know, the birth of humanity, where it's just like, we're just constantly passing flaws down from each other. No one has ever truly figured out everything about them mm-hmm. uh, by the time they're dead. Mm-hmm. And even if they live to be freaking a hundred. Uh, we're, we're always still going through that. And so I can give advice if you really want me to, but I don't know what I would say, uh, except I, I would say, think of that comic I was talking, I was talking about. Think of that, uh, know that like, no one is immune. Well, there's that fucking, think of the meme. How about that? Think of the Garfield face meme of you are not immune to propaganda. Perfect. You are not immune to uh, being bullshitted. And I do think that'll help you figure things out in life if you realize that you are not immune and you have to constantly be vigilant. I think a lot of people who do believe that they are immune to bullshit, they kind of rest on their laurels because it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, I can't be deceived. I could never be deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, yeah, figuring out like what kind of character you are, I suppose, it's just, it's experimentation. I will say one thing I actually did, and this I did in college, so like I knew you at this point, 
Um, and maybe this is why people talk to like, talk to me at bars. I was trying to get better at just talking to people. So I would literally just like ask strangers what time it was or where something was because it was it was like, I don't need to know. I know what it is. I am practicing. I am literally, I'm getting it in there like muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Um, Taking the ego out of it and getting the practice in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was literally just like trying to practice how to, how to talk to people. And again, this is after like my quote unquote character has formed. Um, but it was really something I did and it actually did help me a lot. Um, mm. I think I'm a better, uh, socialite for it, mm. but I actually would recommend that because, and I don't want to, I deal with anxiety a lot, but like, and there's people who deal with like crippling anxiety and I don't want to, um, sort of like talk that down, but I do think sometimes people use shyness and anxiety as an excuse when they won't take the step. And that's what I want. That's what I would say. And again, this is not trying to be mean, but sometimes you you do have to take the step. You do have to go and just like talk to human beings or go do whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You just have to do it. You can't just blame anxiety for it. Sometimes you do. And again, I deal with it and I'm not unsympathetic to it. But sometimes you just have to fucking go and put not only just put yourself out there, but practice. And I can't stress that enough. It is a skill. You have to practice it. Yeah, I, that there it is. That's the advice. Practice your character. Practice mm. makes perfect. No, that that makes complete sense. Um, we recommended you recommended that meme, and you've sprinkled a lot of other uh, a lot of other pop culture references throughout uh, our chat. Did you want to recommend any last like books, games, or films, or anything? Real quick. Yes, real quick. We saw Marcel the Shell with Shoes on the film at this film festival. When that comes to streaming, or actually hopefully your local theater, I hope it gets somewhat of a wide release. When that comes out, go see Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Excellent film. Um, I have been playing a lot of video games lately, but I'm not sure which I could like. Yeah, you know what? I want to say, yo, can we just talk about how good SMT is? I am so happy SMT5 sold like a million copies because... Well, you got, so SMT is short for Shin Megami Tensei, and a bunch of the listeners, I'm sure, were just like, I'm not fucking caring about this. No, <laughs> this series is so good. I would describe it now as Pokemon for adults, and I'm not dissing Pokemon, because I love Pokemon games, but where people are like, oh, it's too easy, I can just, like, sleepwalk through it. It's like, okay, if you want that style of play where you're, like, matching up types and, like, certain attacks, you want SMT. You want, like, that game is brutal. If you turn your brain off for a minute... Like, you can't, like, Pokemon, yeah, you can just, like, press the A button, get through it. No, if you turn your brain off for SMT, you will lose. Like, it is a oh, wow. very strategy-heavy game. Mm. I It's one of those that's turn-based, too. It's not it's everyone's cup of tea. But I will sit there for, like, a five minutes planning out, like, these attacks. Because I just, like, I got to, okay, if he does this move and this works, this will, like, I'll be able to do this. But if it doesn't work, what is my move to, like, counter that? Um, that game, the fifth game, recently they announced that they hit a million copies. And... This is, like, unrelated to literally anything we've talked about it, but it's very funny to me that, like, that is seen for them as a huge success when, like, so many games are like, if this doesn't do the Call of Duty, like, 30 million numbers, then it's a fucking failure. Whereas this game's like, we sold a million copies, we couldn't be happier. Nailed it. Loved it. I love that they're, there's just different budgeting. That yeah. Not everything is, like, a billion dollars. That they were like, no, we, like, budgeted this correctly and it made it sold a million copies. It's going to sell more. Okay. When they do the math. Yes. And and last last two things I just want to shout out there. So yeah, I love SMT. SMT5 in particular is great. It's on Switch. Probably coming to other consoles. Anyway. Um, Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. Such a good show. And 
Final Fantasy 14, baby! Listen, they got that free trial. There's a meme about the free trial because they wouldn't shut up about it, but it's true. It's the most insane free trial I have ever seen. Once I experienced it, I'm like, I cannot believe they just give you this much shit for free. Insane. They get you through Heaven's Word. If you're not sold for the first, like, main game, once you get to Heaven's Word, you know. Because that is, like, a war between the Catholic Church and dragons, and it's so fucking good, dude. <laughs> it's so good. Those are my recommendations. Perfect. That sounds amazing. We'll have all the links and everything up on Substack for you guys to see. Um, last thing, where can people go to support you? If anyone. I, re- I basically have a Twitter I don't post to. Um, I am actually working on a podcast, uh, hopefully soon. Um, there's no way to say this without sounding like a dick, but I'm trying to put a lot of research into each episode. And that takes a lot of time. And so yeah. I don't know how fast I'm going to get this thing like out, even though I've researched about half of the episode so far. No worries. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm pretty excited too, because it is a, yeah, it's a video game related podcast. And even though it won't be like, I don't want it to be dry. It will be a show with multiple people. I want it to be very informative mm-hmm. as much as I want it to be fun. And there has been some video game history stuff that I've learned that I've just been like, I'm sorry, what? Like just in weird connections. Mm-hmm. I've been researching the Saudi Crown Prince lately. You know, there's stuff going on. There's mm-hmm. stuff going on in these video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, good stuff. No, it sounds amazing, I'm for it. and I'm super excited uh, for you for it. And thank you. Great. Um, thanks for chatting with me. It's been fun. You wanna, you wanna go do some more fun Atlanta things? Let's do some fun Atlanta things on my last day here. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Sick. Welcome back, friends. That was my good college buddy, Tanner. I can confirm that we did do ATL things after this recording. However, I can't confirm that they were necessarily fun ATL things. We tried to go see some of Tanner's buddies at a brewery, and on the way there, he got a little carsick because it was just so hot already here. And he got a little carsick, which led to him vomiting a few times in the bathroom of the brewery. So we had to cut that visit short, which led to us getting back in the car and getting on 285 at exactly the wrong time because an accident had just happened, which led to the car ride being like 40 minutes or something really silly, uh, which led to Tanner feeling even more carsick, which led to me dropping him back off of my apartment, uh, letting him sequester while I ran and got him a pub sub, which he was able to eat later. <laughs> so not, uh, not the most fun of fun things, uh, considering the alternative was going to see more screenings at the festival. But you know, if, uh, luckily he was able to sleep it off and it all came out of a good place because you know his reasoning was uh just that he was trying to do too much he was trying to see too many friends and if that is not a testament to his good character then i don't know what is if you enjoyed hearing from tanner today as much as i always enjoy chatting with him unfortunately i cannot lead you to any of his online presence because there is none so you kind of have to be in the know to know you know? In lieu of any social media handles, I would love to suggest on behalf of him that you go play some video games that you love or maybe some ones that you haven't tried yet and have been on your mind on and go watch some movies, you know? 
Just go consume a lot of media. Be a sponge for narrative. And that'll be a great way to pay homage to Tanner and to spark this light of character in yourself. Even though Tanner doesn't have an online presence, he is still a dear friend and comrade on my quest, and you can join us on Instagram, Facebook, Substack, and Twitter. I really love thinking about this project like the game Journey, which if you haven't played it, definitely do, where the idea is that the journey or the process of the making is somewhat more rewarding than the actual craft itself. So with that in mind, I'm very excited to say that we'll be back next week and for lots of weeks to come with a new word and a new friend. Thank you so much for being my theoretical Greek chorus of characters and I can't wait for you to see what's to come. Thanks for playing!